start getting ready. Hey, Grace Point, how's it going? Uh, so this is kind of an unusual thing for everybody. Not what we normally do, but um, I've had several people ask for me to speak into this new series that we've got going, um, Not Afraid. And so I want to do that this morning and praying that at some point here in the near future, everything will uh, work out that we can be back together again, worshiping together as a church. Um, I just want to have a, a huge thank you to our, our prayer and care team. Uh, who's been making phone calls and texting and emailing people, checking in on them and making sure that everything's going okay in their lives. So it's just a, a crucial ministry we have here. appreciate you guys keeping things together and um, keeping us connected as a church. And I hope that as we go through this, as, if this lasts longer than a couple, three weeks or more, that, that we continue to do that as a church family, to, to stay in touch uh, and connect in with each other. I also want to thank... Uh, Greg Hart, who's here helping me get this video thing put together and uh, editing it and making it, uh, making me look good, I hope, uh, on video. So, and they usually say that videos make you look 10 pounds heavier. So, hopefully, that's not the case because that would be kind of a scary, scary thing. But, um, and, and a special thank you that if you're watching and you've never seen a Grace Point service before or a Grace Point video before, uh, just want to thank you for checking in. And listening to this, and I hope it's an encouragement to you, um, especially as we as we look into God's Word to find out what does He have to say about um, times like this that we're going through, where people are are fearful, or scared, anxious. Um, and I hope this message to you is uh, is an encouragement as well. My goal this morning is to is to bring some encouragement, and some hope from from God's Word, so that as we go through times like this, and really as we go through life in general. Um, that we'll have the encouragement, uh, the hope, uh, the security that God offers us um, going through these difficult times. And I know that if I announce to everybody that, hey, the pandemic's over and we can get back to night life, people would be pretty excited about that and, and be like, oh, good, life's back to normal. In fact, one of the things I've heard over and over again, and I've read it quite a bit, and I've even thought it myself, is, man, I just wish things would get back to normal. But, but as I've been thinking about that and thinking about this series and, and the passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at, which is uh, Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 19, you can turn there if you have your Bibles handy. I'll be reading it in a little bit. But one of the things that I've been thinking about is if, if our normal lives that we used to have prior to this pandemic have caused us to respond to this pandemic the way we have in this anxious, fearful um, way where people are, are literally in a, and seem to be, emotionally speaking, in a panic mode. If our normal life is what brought us to respond that way, then I guess what I want us to consider is maybe um, moving forward, we work to create a new normal in our lives. Um, because as, as Christians, and I've even seen Christians and heard Christians kind of being in a panic mode. And if as Christians we believe, we say we believe the Bible, we say we believe what the Bible teaches is true, then, then we should be responding in a different way than what most people are responding, or how most people are responding. And we believe that uh, the Bible says that before Jesus Christ returns, life's going to get worse. Well, this is part of the worse. We're seeing how people respond to times of, of stress, of times that are not normal. 
Well, normal is going to change. It's going to get worse according to what the Bible teaches. And so as Christians, if we believe that, then I think what we need to be doing now and as we move forward is to prepare our hearts and our minds so that when these times hit, we respond in the confidence and the security that God offers us. Because in that, then we draw people to Christ for salvation, which again, we'll be talking about, and we talk about quite a bit here at Grace Point, but we'll be talking about a little bit more this morning. So, uh, intro to Matthew 6. We want to look at Matthew 6. We're going to look at verses 19 through 34. And uh, it's, it's a passage of Scripture that uh, Jesus is talking. He's teaching here. Um, and he's challenging us, I believe, to move, in, as we move forward, to, to create a new normal for our lives. See, back in the first century, uh, the Jewish people, they lived in a, in a very stressful time, a very dangerous time. It's, uh, we think we have it bad today where we have to stay home for two weeks in our comfortable homes and, and maybe panicking over toilet paper. I'm not really sure what that's all about, but they didn't even have toilet paper uh, back then. So, um, but their lives were stressful. Their lives were very dangerous. They didn't have the security just in their uh, everyday lives that we have today. And Jesus is speaking to them, and he's encouraging them with some words that we're going to look at. He's, he's giving them a warning, but then he gives them an awesome promise at the end of this, which is what we want to look at this morning. Now, I just want to speak if, to you that if you're listening in and, and you're not a follower of, of Christ, you wouldn't say that you're a Christian or, or you're kind of checking into it. I want to encourage you to hang in with this and listen to this because this message is, is also very crucial for you. Because here's the deal. Jesus says in one of the other Gospels, the Gospel of Luke in chapter 14, that he wants people who are considering following him to count the cost. And what he means by that is to know what it means to truly follow him before you ever make that step of faith to do so. And, and this is one of those passages where you need to know what it really means to follow Christ in order to experience the security and the promises that he's talking about in this passage. So I, I would encourage you to hang in there and, and listen to what um, Jesus Christ has to say from the Bible and, and then consider for yourself if this is someone that you can give your life to, trust your life to. Now the context, before I read the context of this, uh, again, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 34. Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7 is what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And what it is is Jesus is, is speaking to a large number of people who have gathered around him because he's been doing a bunch of healings and a bunch of teaching. And so they're, they're gathering around him, and he's telling them, hey, here's what life looks like if you want to follow after God. If you say you want to be in a relationship with God, this is what your life will look like. And he's really talking about their motivation for living. And as a person who's a true follower of Christ or a true follower of God, we're motivated by our love for him, and not by how other people view us or think of us. And so we, when we do that, we're, we're motivated then to live life differently. We live life the way God wants us to live. And, and then in order to, in doing that, in order to draw people uh, to us, so then we can draw them to Christ. And so Jesus, I believe, is challenging us as we think about our life today and what we're going through to consider to create a new normal by living life 
investing in the eternal and being committed to God's purposes. So we're going to look at those two things of investing in the eternal and being committed to God's purposes. So let me go ahead and read uh, verses 19 through 24 first, this idea of investing um, that he's talking about. He says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy or where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. So let me ask you something. When it comes to this pandemic, what's your greatest fear? And again, you see it all over media, you see it all over Facebook, people are afraid. But what's your greatest fear with it? Are you afraid that you might catch it? Are you afraid that you might die from it? Or, or are you afraid of the ramifications of it, where um, uh, not having the finances that you once had, of losing your job? I know that um, people are concerned about the virus, and I think we all should be in doing what we can to help with that. But I think ultimately what this pandemic has shown us is that people are more afraid of the financial side of their life, uh, that they've, they've put their security in their jobs, in their finances, and people are responding accordingly because they're seeing that this could potentially ruin their life financially, ruin our economy, and so what we're encouraging people is to look into what God has to say in order to find that security that's found in God. And so, first of all, he says in here, um, as I said, the new, new normal is a life that trusts God and not money. So as we move forward, this new normal is that we want to commit our lives to making sure that we are trusting in God and not in our finances as we move forward, and so we can sense that security that he has for us. So he says, don't store up treasures on earth. What's, what's he mean by that? It means to, it's stockpiling for future use, more money or possessions than we need or could ever use due to natural deterioration and theft. So, in other words, in the first century, because again, we have to look back to what Jesus is talking to here and then apply it to our lives. In the first century, the people understood what he was talking about. They're, they had poor storage units. They had poor security systems. They didn't have cameras all over their homes. And so they, what they would do is they would attempt to stockpile uh, money. They would try to stockpile possessions and kind of keep it there. And that's what they would be um, secure in. If, they, if times got tough, they at least had those things. But back then, Animals got into things, other people could easily get into things, and they couldn't trust that their um, possessions would be there, their money would be there. There's no security that way. There is no sense of retirement, if you want to put it that way. They had to work until um, the day they died. Well, today we have better storage units, we have better security systems, 
But we've seen all around us that stock markets, jobs, politicians, natural disasters, viruses, other health issues make it so that there is no real security that we can have in our finances because our finances come and go. People's 401ks are suffering. They're, it's going down one day, it's up the next day, down the next, and, and people, there's no security in that. And then you bring in this pandemic, and we see Christians also responding the same way. They've, they've bought into the lie that they can find security in their jobs and in their finances. You know, we're okay with Jesus as long as he keeps investing financially into our lives to build basically up our lives and do uh, in our lives what we want to do. But as soon as that money starts to die out or we start having health issues, then we start wondering where Jesus is at. Why isn't he helping me um, build my life and do my life the way I want to do life? But here's the deal. Jesus, he died on the cross so that God could forgive our sins and adopt us into his family. Not so that we can go do life our way, but so that he could hand over his mission, his purposes to us, and that we could, in a sense, manage his business. The Bible, Jesus has uh, several different parables where he talks about the fact that we're stewards, we're servants, and we manage the business that God has given us, which is not our business, it's his business. It's his mission. And, and what his mission is, is for us to find security in him first, as he takes us through difficult times, and then as he meets our needs through those difficult times, other people see that, and they're drawn to us to find out, hey, how are you, how are you dealing with this issue? How are you going through without freaking out? And we tell them about this relationship we have with God who's going to, who cares for us, who meets our needs, and then as they see him meeting our needs, they want some of that. They want to be a part of that. And we can tell them about who he is and the life that he offers them. And that brings us to this other thing, other treasures that we are supposed to store. Because he says to, to store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So we're supposed to be investing. We're supposed to be uh, storing up treasures. But he's talking about here is that we should be using the finances that God gives us to stockpile future spiritual treasures or possessions that will be enjoyed for eternity. So what are those treasures? Well, the Bible talks about a lot of different things, but it can be summed up really in, in two things. The first treasure is people. It's those that we, um, we uh, influence for Christ. So as people, again, as I was saying, as people see our lives and see us responding to, to difficult times that are going on, as they see us doing that God's way, they're going to be influenced by our response to consider who Christ is and what he has for them. And as those people place their faith in Christ, those people become a treasure or a possession. We talked about this in Ephesians chapter 1 when we were going through our series in Ephesians, that we have become a possession of God. And so these become possessions in that sense, and we're going to enjoy those people for an eternity, those who have placed their faith in Christ. In fact, John uh, in John 9, Jesus said, We must work the works of him who sent us while it is day, for a night comes when we will no longer be able to work. What he was talking about there is, right now, today, as we live here today, we have a responsibility to do the work of God, which means drawing people to him for salvation. 
And in John 17, Jesus said as he was praying for us in that chapter, he said that his joy is made full in us. In other words, we can have joy in this life, but the joy is connected to whether we're doing life God's way or not. We're not going to experience joy if we're trying to do life our way. We're going to experience joy when we do life God's way. And so if we can kind of think of it um, as kind of a planning for our eternal retirement, maybe. And so we want to invest in people, and we want to invest in our, in our own spiritual growth. And what that means is that as we go through these difficult times, we can grow in our depth of relationship with Jesus Christ. We can know him better. We can understand him better. We, again, we talked about this in our Ephesians series, that as we spend time in his word, and as we read his word, we gain wisdom and understanding, and then we apply that to, a life, to our life. Then we see Jesus at work in our lives, and that personal experience of him meeting needs and working in our lives causes us to know him better. In fact, Paul the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3, basically bring on the difficulties. Because of the difficulties, if the persecution, if the suffering allows me to know better who Jesus is and the suffering he did for us on the cross, then, then I want it. I want to know him more than anything else. And again, if we can think of it as planning for retirement, that is this eternal retirement that we're going to experience and know for eternity, I think it kind of helps us as we think about investing. So Jesus continues on to verse 22 through 24, and he gives us two warnings. One he, uh, is a warning that he uses through an illustration. He talks about um, the eye being clear and the eye being bad, and what, what does that mean? It's, it's a Jewish um, illustration, and I won't go into the details of it right now, but basically the eye is referring to our hearts, uh, our motivations, how we view things, is how we're going to respond. And so if our eye is clear, what he's saying is clear eyes, meaning seeing things accurately, seeing things the way God sees them, the way Jesus sees them, then our life will be filled with that. We'll continue to do life his way. So if we see things accurately, we see things Jesus' way, then we'll respond to life the way he wants us to respond, and our lives will be full of light. We'll be doing life his way. But if our eye is bad, then our life is darkness. In other words, if we hear what Jesus is saying right now in these verses, and we're like, eh, we're not really thinking that this really applies to our lives, then what happens is we're not seeing accurately. We're seeing inaccurately. We're not agreeing with Jesus, and we will will respond that way. We'll respond doing life our way, which in the end is darkness. And so he's, he's basically saying, um, you're either going to agree with Jesus on this and live life accordingly, trust him on this, or you're not going to, and you're going to live life accordingly. And really, both of these warnings, he's basically saying, there's no halfway. There's no riding the fence here. And the second warning he gives us is pretty straightforward. Um, you, you have to choose who you're going to serve. Either you're going to choose to serve God, or you're going to choose to serve your wealth, your money. And the, the word serve there is uh, doulos, and it means to be a servant or a slave. And we'll be either enslaved to our money or enslaved to God. 
where he talks about you'll either hate the one or love the other, he uses the word agape. That's the, the self-sacrificial love. It's kind of interesting that he uses that because what he's saying here is either you're going to sacrifice yourself for God's sake and his mission, or you're going to sacrifice yourself for your money and for it, what it will do in your lives. And then he goes on and says you'll, either, you'll be devoted to one or the other. The word devoted there means to adhere to or cling to it. It has this idea of trusting. So either you're going to trust God and what he offers, or you're going to trust your money. And basically what he's saying there is this. Trusting God causes us to sacrifice a life of fear and insecurity, which is what he was talking about in the previous verses, for a life of peace and security. But if we are trusting in money, it's going to cause us to sacrifice a life of peace and security for a life of fear and insecurity. That's what Jesus is trying to get across to us in these first few verses. Where we put our trust, what we choose to invest ourselves into, will either receive peace and security, which is what God's offering us, or we can say, I'm not going to buy that, and we're going to experience what we have been experiencing in all of life, but certainly during this pandemic, fear and insecurity. So only God has given us the promise of peace and security. Money can't do that for us. And he's done that by making sure that we have everything we need. And that's what Jesus talks about over in chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. I'm going to read those for you. It's a little bit longer here, so bear with me. But he says this, For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor the body as to what you will put on. I mean, isn't that where everybody is at right now? Fearful for what they eat. People are going to stores and buying way more than they need because they're fearful. Is not, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And again, the question is asked, and the answer, sadly, for many people, and even including some Christians, no, life isn't more. That is life. Life is food in the body, but it isn't. It's, there's more to it. So in verse 26, he says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? The answer, yes, far more important. And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon, King Solomon back in the Old Testament, who was the richest king of all Israel, in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into a furnace, will he not much more clothe you? And the answer again is yes, he will. You have little faith. Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat and what will we, will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles, and when he means they're Gentiles there, he's talking about people who aren't following God. For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first, here's the promise, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things, all these needs, our food, our clothing, uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about actually what all he's talking about there, that all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, 
for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So Jesus is saying here, the new normal needs to be a life that commits to God's purpose. So let's break that down real quickly here. He says, for this reason, what reason? You know, what's he talking about here? What reason? Well, because as followers of God through faith in Christ, we live life motivated by serving and trusting Him and not the money He provides. We don't have to worry about any of our needs because He promises to meet them. So for this reason, because of this choice that we've made to invest in the spiritual things of life, the eternal things of life, and not trust in our money, we believe and know that God's going to care for us and meet our needs. The word worried there means to be anxious or unnecessarily concerned. Uh, has the idea of being emotionally tied up in knots. If you ever remember seeing taffy that's being twisted up, it has that idea that we're emotionally tied up. We're wringing our hands. Now, worry and anxiety, it's different than being concerned. We should all be concerned. We should be concerned with our lives. We should be concerned with how we're doing life. We should be concerned about this pandemic and doing whatever we can to help and making sure it's over with sooner than later. And so we need to be concerned. Concern causes us to think, causes us to pray, causes us to plan and respond in appropriate ways. That's what concern does. Worry, this, this uh, being emotionally tied up in knots, causes us um, to, one, look at life and think we know better than God what the reality is. And so we look at a pandemic or we look at a health issue, or we look at whatever it is that we're going through, and we think we know better than God what's happening in this situation. And that causes us, and we realize we can't do anything about it. And when you think about the fact that the, the politicians and the media are doing a whole lot in getting, you know, giving us information and, and all that kind of stuff, and really all we can do is sit in our homes, um, that could cause some anxiety. That can cause some worry in us because we're not able to really do anything. So anxiety can cause us to freeze. It causes us to be so unsure of what we should do and how to respond that we end up doing nothing. We just kind of lock up. And, and some of you might have, have experienced that and know what I'm talking about. Anxiety can also cause us to over-respond. In other words, we make decisions completely based off of emotion. There's no real thinking, planning behind it. And so we start flailing. We start making decisions that aren't really logical or helpful. I mean, think of a person. Have you ever seen a person drowning? Personally, I've had this happen to me. Um, I was in Canada. We were in the Boundary Waters. And I got stuck in an undertow of a, of a waterfall. Um, and I freaked out. And I started going under. And I couldn't get out of it. And uh, another guy came over, jumped out of a canoe, and grabbed me. But I was punching him and beating him off. The guy who was there to save me, and I wasn't doing what I needed to. I was flailing. I was responding out of fear and emotion. And until he finally grabbed my face and said, stop doing that, then he was able to grab a hold of me and get me into the canoe. And so what our tendency, again, is to, is to flail. Uh, Jesus gives kind of a cool word picture. You can look, at, look it up later, but it's in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. It's a story about Mary and Martha, uh, two ladies that were following him and, and uh, supporting his ministry. And Jesus comes to their house, and Martha is running all over the house, and he uses the word distracted. She's being distracted by all the things that she thinks needs to get, get done because Jesus is there. 
And he says to her, hey, listen, you're being way too distracted. You're too worried. He uses the word worry. You're too anxious. You need to be like Mary. You need to be at my feet. You need to be listening to me and being encouraged by me. And so whether it's Martha running around the house or drowning person who's fighting the person who's trying to save them, or us facing the fear of a pandemic, or some other uncertainty in our life or our jobs, our, what God wants us to do is rest ourselves in Him, in His arms, and let Him take us through the difficult time. He says we're not to worry or be anxious. And it actually has this idea of making a determined decision to stop it and never do it again. And so we need to make that determination. Because here's the deal. He says he's going to meet the needs of our life. He uses the word life there. And that, that word means, it actually encompasses all of life. That God's promising here in these verses, Jesus is telling us that God promises to meet our physical needs, our mental needs, our emotional needs, and our spiritual needs. Every possible need we could ever have, God's offering to meet those needs. Peter echoes this in 2 Peter 1.3 where he says, we have everything we need for life and godliness. God knows our every need. He knows what we need physically. He knows what we need mentally. He knows what we need emotionally. He knows what we need spiritually. And here's the deal. He also knows what is actually a need and what's a want. We don't always understand. We think sometimes that our, our wants are needs, and they're not. He knows what is actually a need for us and what is a want. And he doesn't promise to give us what we want. Though, if we look around our homes, he's given us a lot of what we want. But he doesn't promise to give us what we want, but he will give us what we need. So Jesus finishes up at the end of this passage with uh, basically conditions to this promise. It's not, a, it's not a, you know, just a, an open-ended promise that he's just going to just give us what we need. There's some conditions set on it. Now, just want to clarify something. There's only one promise that God gives us that's unconditional, and that's this promise of salvation. If we place our faith and trust in Christ, we don't have to do anything. We don't have to do any um, good work. We don't do any religious ritual in order to earn God's love for us. He already loves us. He's already died for us when Christ died on the cross. And so all we seem to do is believe that, put our trust in that, entrust our lives to him, and ask him to forgive us of our sins and place our faith in him. And so that's his promise that he'll save us if we do that. But everything else that he promises a Christian is based on us doing life his way. Now, why is that? Well, it's not because God's harsh or he wants to be difficult. Because he knows the best way for us to live life is the way he says to live, because his way is best for us. God cares about us. God doesn't want to see us hurt. He wants what's best for us. And he knows his way is best. And so he's going to give us what we need in order to accomplish that. So what's the condition? The condition is that we seek first his kingdom. What's he mean by that? Well, if, if the motivation behind the decisions and responses that we make is for God to use us to draw other people to him for salvation, then he's going to give us whatever it is that we need to make that happen. So whatever decisions you're having to make, whatever things that you're having to do in your life, if you come at it and say, Lord, use me 
Use this decision. Use this situation in order for people to see you at work in my life so they are drawn to you for salvation. That's what means building his kingdom. Then, Lord, give me what I need to do that. The second thing he says is seek first his righteousness. So we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And that just simply means this. If our motivation behind whatever we decide to do, any response that we have, is for us to do it God's way and not our way, then God's going to give us whatever we need to uh, respond the way we need to respond or make the decision that we need to, to make. In other words, we don't respond to things by lying. We don't respond to things by cheating or doing something selfishly or vindictively, but we respond the way God wants us to respond. He's going to give us whatever it is we need for that circumstance and that situation. Well, I, I wish I could take time and go through specific issues that you guys are going through. Because I know that some of you are sitting there going, yeah, but, but Harold, wait a second, what about this? Or what about that? What about this job situation? Or what about my health issue? Or what about my relationships? How does this work in that situation? So here's what I want you to do. Obviously, we can't do that. We don't have the time to do that. But I want to hear from you. Okay, so please, during this time where you're going through this and you're trying to uh, put this all together, feel free to call me, to text me. Uh, you can go up on Facebook, Messenger, and either message the church, Grace Point Church, or uh, message me, Harold Bierga, um, and let me know. We also have on the OhioGrace.com website, if you go to OhioGrace.com backslash card, you can fill out a, a welcome card. Um, on that site, and you'll see as you walk through it, uh, make sure you, you um, mark your campus as Northwood, and then in the comments section, you can put comments in, or if you, there's some boxes that you can check as well, but go ahead and get that to me, and I'll make sure to get back to you as soon as I get that information to me. I'll, I'll try to get it as soon as I possibly can. It may end up being like on Tuesday, um, is the way things go with with the office and stuff, so but we'll try to get that as, as fast as we can. Um, then what we can do is we can set up a time to talk on the phone or do a FaceTime and work through some of the things, some of the questions you have. Now, every week we do a couple takeaways, and so I want to do uh, a couple before we leave, just some general takeaways. And so I want to first talk to those people who have not placed their faith in Christ. If you're not a Christian, you sat through all this, I really appreciate you doing that. And you're like, man, I need this for my life. I need to know the security that God offers. I want to encourage you to make that decision. And here's how that happens. It's very simple. It's really just having a conversation with God, your heart to his. And maybe you've never done that before. So it's just simply saying this. Heavenly Father, I know that I've sinned. I've done life my way. But I also know that Jesus died my eternal death in hell for my sin. And I'm trusting, I believe you, that when you say that if I trust in you, trust in Christ, that I will have my sins forgiven, a restored relationship with you, you providing for me in this life and taking me to heaven one day. It's simply having that kind of conversation with God. I would encourage you to do that. And what I would also encourage you to do, if you've prayed a prayer like that, or if you want more information about that, you too, go to ohiograce.com backslash card, fill out that information, mark down that it's Northwood campus, 
and I will definitely get back with you and talk with you this week and uh, have that conversation, okay? Or if you want, in this video, under comments, you can put your name down there uh, if you'd like uh, with a way to contact you, and that would be great. Christians, three things real quick for you. For you to experience the new normal starting today. Number one, invest in spending time with God and His Word. I say this all the time, right? We need to spend time in God's Word. We need time with Him for us to have our minds thinking the way He wants us to think. And I would encourage you, especially if you're sitting home during this time of quarantine, spend time, take extra time each day with God, knowing His promises and what He wants to do in and through you. Secondly, invest time um, talking with those in your life who are worried and concerned. Probably best to do this on a one-on-one -on -one situation, okay? But spend time with them. Call them, FaceTime them, help them to understand that you have a God who is there for them, who wants to help them, and then look to meet their need wherever you can. And then thirdly, invest the finances that God has given you to meet the needs of your church family and those in your neighborhood. There are people, it's been cool to see the community helping each other. That's awesome. We need to be doing that as individuals in our communities. We also need to be remembering to help us as a church family care for our church family. And so I would encourage you to, to continue to do that, to give financially as you guys have been so uh, gracious in doing. And I really appreciate you guys who are regular attenders and members um, as, as we give uh, to our church situation. So I appreciate that. Well, before I close, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to encourage you to, uh, at either 9 or 10.30 this morning, to tune in to Fremont Campus, ohiograce.com backslash media, or up on their Facebook page or on their YouTube page, and watch the, the online um, service that they have. So they'll have music and um, a message as well based on the same passage. So it'll be kind of interesting for you guys to hear what uh, Pastor Zach has to say and what I've had to say and, and just kind of see our different angles that we take on it. So it's kind of fun to be able to do that. Anyways, love being able to do this for you. Really praying that this was an encouragement to you, that you would take the time in this passage and other passages in Scripture to, to um, seek out God's security and peace during this time. Please make sure you contact me if you have any questions. Love you guys. Looking forward to being able to get together with you. Take care. Have a great week. Represent Christ well.